Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Oh my god, what is the outro of the podcast doing right at the beginning? Um, this is a, a quick reminder, just like episode that was up, um, for anybody who has been following along and who doesn't know already, uh, July 1st, 2020 tomorrow is the launch of our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, originally at Mixer, but due to their, uh, to their closing, we moved the show over to Twitch. So you can follow us at twitch.tv slash SpongeBob podcast, just like in the intro there. Uh, follow us there, and uh, and we'll see you at 8 p.m. tomorrow. We're going to have a blast. Um, it'll be nice to get some of the fans out there communicating. I'll be on chat. Um, it'll be a nice little event for us. Those will start happening more frequently since this is the first one. Of course, SpongeBob eventually has a million video games. So um, in these first seasons, the, the, the spread is a little bit more wider, but we're going to get more to those video games. Uh, and as I've said many times, the plan is... For me and others to to begin streaming a little bit more regularly, especially on that channel, uh, everything on SpongeBob podcast will uh, be family friendly. If you happen to miss the uh, the live stream, don't fret. I'm going to save the entire video and that'll be uploaded in chunks on YouTube uh, anytime we do the video Bob Game Pants episodes. So. July 1st, 2020, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv slash Spongebob Podcast. Video Bob Game Pants Episode 1. Let's start it off with a bang, and I'll see most of the Ready Crew there. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a Sponge Podcast. <laughs> I'm keeping it. Welcome to I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. I'm Captain Eric, and I am uh, joined today by uh, uh, the first time we've ever had him on the show. It's not going to be the last, um, and it's incredible that we're finally recording after months of living with each other through this pandemic. Uh, give it up for my pseudo-roommate and aspiring actor, Cole Riverwood. Woo, thank you so, so much for having me on. Awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I've always um, strived to make this podcast transparent and i'm not about being perfect literally three times the first time <laughs> i wasn't my mic wasn't recording and then the second time we went almost this exact amount of time talking and, and realized that your mic wasn't recording and here we are third time's a charm uh so any of you aspiring podcasters out there just take note uh be open about your mistakes 
yeah, and learn from them, which I clearly haven't after all these episodes <laughs> on the show. That's um, okay. We're still trying. And see, you're an aspiring podcaster too. What what about podcasts do you like specifically? And are, are there any uh, out there that you'd like to that you love? Podcasts are fun, I think, because so often it's just a conversation face to face like this with a friend and anyone who wants to listen can listen and you can talk about you know whatever you want and it's really just such a a, a tight-knit community of, of people that just enjoy talking to each other yeah and, and it's it's really all about helping each other out absolutely like, it is i'll be on your show you be on mine and it's just co-promotion and it's it's wonderful to see working off of each other um this has been I did mention that uh, we've we've been you you become the de facto fourth roommate in my home during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, craziest time during my life, and I you're, think you're a bit younger, so it's got to be mine for you as too. well. Yeah, uh, where it's like stay home, don't go indoor, you know, don't go outdoors. You can't go anywhere because every everything is pra practically closed. Right, and, no visiting people, no. Yeah, and if you be, happen to be walking down the street. In the most social distancing way, you still get dirty looks by on passers and cars. Like, yeah, that person's out walking. What are they doing on the sidewalk the without nerve. a plastic suit on? How could they? <laughs> Where's the plexiglass? <laughs> Just walk around with a big, big sheet of plexiglass <laughs> in front of your view at all times. My own personal window. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, now you were going to school for acting. That's correct at the University of Connecticut. Yes, yes. Big shout out to UConn there. How? You, you've enjoyed yourself thus far? Yeah, it's been a great program. Unfortunately, it's come to really a screeching halt, but I was a sophomore in their BFA program. Okay. Yeah, that's a kind of a shame. But to be fair, this um, this kind of situation that we've been in is, is, like we mentioned, it's unprecedented, and I don't think anyone was ready for this. Um, that's very fair to say. Yeah. Luckily, we have the internet and everybody has phones or laptops and you're still able to, you know, zoom calls and, and online classes, you're still able to kind of function. You're still able to function. You're still able to connect with those people, even though you're not in the same room together, but I'm not going to lie and say that it wasn't really difficult to, to keep the motivation up and to keep the work up even when I was at home. Right. Right. Um, cause you, transitioned all your classes i'm going to guess were in person or mm -hmm. were any of studio classes only. yeah uh and you transitioned all of those to online yeah with like the snap of my fingers it was just one day i was at the university in the studio the next day i was at my house over a webcam it, it was just insane how quick it was yeah for other classes i would ask someone if it was like math or, or science what you what you would prefer but I imagine with acting in person, it's just you can't really beat that. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it's like seeing a play. You can go and see a movie, but seeing a play live is a whole different experience than than watching something on a screen. For sure. Half of the atmosphere, I mean, half the reason you go see a play is the fact that it's live in person happening right in front of your very eyes. And it's i mean it's still live over a webcam but there's not that energy with right, the other person right. and those moments like a movie is uh is been in post production for months they cut try at least try to cut out any mistakes they've made yeah. erase their their uh wrongdoings in a play someone could mess up or a prop could mess up you just got to keep going go wrong. you got to act around it mm -hmm. you got to keep going and there's no second takes 
when it's a show day? Uh, there was when I. I don't think I've ever mentioned this in the podcast before. Uh, so for anyone listening, I I was in drama club for four years, mainly Ooh. you as well. Same I was. program, different different, different years, but yeah, different years, different <laughs> instructors. Um, I had I was mainly a stage crew, stage manager. I enjoyed behind the scenes. I I did have a yearning to be on stage, but um, during high school, it just didn't feel sure. It, the, not to say I'm a bad actor, but there was clearly people who really loved acting and wanted those big roles that I was like, I don't want to get in the way of, of them. And uh, there was we did The Odd Couple one year. Oh, really? And out of one of the three performances, I don't know what fell, but something on the set. It was a very intricate set because the thing about The Odd Couple is it only takes place in Oscar's apartment. Mm-hmm. So you just build his apartment and you just stack it with stuff you make it feel real and i forgot what fell over but it was some decently big something piece. important I'm yeah sure. <laughs> and and in the middle of the line it was already an argument between oscar and felix and the actor who played oscar like they both look over the crowd laughs, <laughs> and oscar uh <laughs> shout out to jeremy who played oscar looks up at felix and was like and that's your fault too <laughs> <laughs> and it was perfect, and it fit everything, and it and those guys were so wonderful together. They primarily the reason why they picked the odd couple because it was like these two, uh, uh, Jeremy and Joey, were just the the two main male actors in that whole um, that crew I was in. Uh, do you remember any like big mistakes happening on stage? I remember in the very first show that I did, which one was um, that? It was called Murder for Dummies. And okay, yeah, I helped make videos for that. It was your first one, yeah, that was my very first one. I had never been in a play before that, okay. Um, and, and you know, of course, I had a, a very small part, had one line, it was a spectacular line, though. I delivered it Mwah, perfect. Um, sounds like my role is the cop <laughs> in Footloose. I think hey, I was a cop too. <laughs> hey, you better quit that dancing. <laughs> That's all I did. I was in I was in the church in the beginning, and then I walked in the school and yelled at at a uh, Ren for dancing in the hallway as oh, if that a is cop great. is supposed to do that. But um, but but the the whole book, oh, I'm sorry, the whole play revolves around uh, this one character whose name I cannot remember. Uh, he has a book. He finds a book called Murder for Dummies, and so that book is a recurring prop, and he's supposed to store it in a cabinet that's on stage. Well, he goes to open that cabinet and the book's not there. And you just see the, like, blood drain out of his face as he realizes that the book's not on stage. Please tell me he went off of that, like, where's my book? He did. And and what was even more is that, you know, he was yelling. He was like, where's my book? I can't find my book. And then he just, like, looks off stage left. And he walks off stage left and he's just off stage. And all the actors are looking off stage like, where did he Where'd he go? And he comes back, and then he runs across stage again, yelling, where's my book? And he goes off stage, right? Oh, my goodness. And he still can't find it. (laughs) And he's just been walking back and forth until someone is finally like, I found the book. It was under the table. Whoa. Yeah, stage crew mess up there. Yeah. Yeah, prop just wasn't where it was. But Prop master. That's like the key. That's the anchor of the whole show. So you just, I mean, without that, you can't really... Absolutely, it's a miracle that we found it because I don't know how we would have gone on. I think you it. could because uh, a part of that show I remember was that the the book came had a narrator who would step, kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, step on stage and like read what was in the book. You're right. You're so right. Probably, so it could have gone on. It could have. They, they could have been creative with it, but it's those moments that 
that like like I said, it's just you can only get that in live theater. Absolutely. Um, we of course the episode we're gonna view today, and I was hoping. I gave you two episode choices. Mm-hmm. And I was Both like, very good episodes. Yeah, you you gave up fun for culture. Culture shock's great, but uh, I was like, this this fits more in a conversation I can have with you because we would be having this acting conversation regardless on what episode is is being played. You're absolutely right. You said you didn't do your talent show. For, I did not for do my talent year. show. Did you attend at least? I don't even think that they held one my senior year. Really? Yeah, I think that with all the construction work going on at the school, they oh, just that's didn't right. have the capacity to hold one. That's a shame. Oh man. Yeah, because I would have jumped at the chance. Yeah, to have I done figured, that. I uh, shockingly, I um, all that pent up acting I wanted to do, I exploded on my talent show because I didn't do just one act. I didn't do just two. How many acts did you do? I was a part of three acts Holy and cow. co-hosted it. Really? Yeah, there was a host. Uh, I'm not even. I I'm not gonna get. I'll tell you his name off a off a recording. Okay, he's a very right. good friend of mine. Right. He was hosting the show. Seth Price. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was he was gonna be the host of the show and whatever. I don't remember the teacher in charge of this. I don't think thought he was I don't know if it was being prepared or that they may she she may have thought that he wasn't going to be a good presence on stage. But I was asked literally I was asked an hour before the show. Can you co-host with Seth and come up with some skits? And I was You're like, telling me someone handpicked you. Yes. To co-host this talent show. I, that is phenomenal. I think because they saw we didn't have that many people. I still have. We can actually watch my talent show. I have it on. Disc. No kidding. Yeah. Um, we didn't have that many acts. I, I know, and even a lot of people double-dipped. One of the ones I was a part of, and uh, shout-out to, to Bill Daig, our class president, um, he was a part of two acts, one in which he helped uh, his friend with a uh, martial arts showcase. Oh. He, he was the aggressor in that, you know. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he came out, um, and I think it's called a kalimba. Oh, the which, instrument with where you, like, pluck it with your thumbs. It's pretty tiny. No. Oh, you know what? No, it's... I don't want to, it's not a xylophone, but it's something more intricate, but it's okay. similar with he, he so he played two or three songs and we came up with an idea that we would um another friend of mine who we did Electric Avenue, our dance number. That's Iconic. Where, that's where it came from. Um That's we, where Electric Avenue came from? Not the song, but our <laughs> dance our dance we dressed up as a, a plug and an outlet. Oh my gosh. And we did that dance on stage, and then at the end we bumped chests, which uh, then broke apart all the cardboard we put together. Brilliant. Brilliant um, work. But we decided, we were like, hey, Bill, you know it would be really funny if we rickrolled the audience during, like, like finish the songs you're going to do, and then do another one, and like 10 seconds in, we'll rickroll you. And go up on stage <laughs> in blazers and sunglasses, and then you get really angry with us. Did anybody know? Uh, no. Other <laughs> other than Matt, Eric. Bill, and I. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I think Brian was helping out in, I think he came to help Nate out in the light booth. So it was like, hey, um, he's going to say, I think he finished, I think it was like three songs. Uh-huh. And then in the fourth, he was like, and now for my final number. So like, whenever he says this line, count 10 seconds and, then and just start playing Rick Astley. Never going to give you up. And oh, we just my went out on goodness. stage. Um, and so that was my third. We did Electric Avenue, and then I did a solo song. Uh-huh. Um, 
Justin Rodson, shout out. There's a lot, I'm dropping a lot of names here that mean absolutely nothing to no one out there, <laughs> except for Enfield. Um, Enfield Justin represent. Rodson, music teacher, uh, fantastic genius with music, was able to come over the day of, and I played him the part of The Wedding Singer where Adam Sandler's playing the guitar oh, on, the, yeah. on the plane, and he learned that song, and I sang it on stage. He learned that song for he you. He learned that song, played it with me. That's so magical. I really love music teachers like that. Yeah. Well, he wasn't a teacher at the time. Oh. He was, oh, he he was, was in just my a class. Friend. Oh, he was just my a gosh. Who came over. Oh, I misunderstood completely. I was like, can you, it's a pretty simple song, a guitar, and he, we played it like he got it down within a half hour. And That's a like, true okay, friend right I'll, there. I'll see you tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I think I did that first. But then, mind you, between singing, dancing, Rick rolling. I'm hosting the show. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Shows you the amount of people who came to our talent show. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a pretty, it was like maybe half packed house, but uh, yeah, not a lot of people signed up, which is a shame because I think a lot of people would have talent that they would probably not deem good enough to put be on stage and like showcase. Absolutely. Like we, we don't teach kids that some of the skills that they have are talents and it's like only if you sing only if you play an instrument only if you can juggle knives or something i don't know is that yeah. a talent and and it's if, so sad if, because if somebody came up with a slideshow of like uh i can't bring like i'm i'm into gardening and this is my home garden at home and i've done all you know showing off what they were doing even if it's not something tangible you can bring showing off your talents in some way i think we should push that more like yeah advocate for kids yeah. to be more vocal about their talents even if it even if it's not deemed necessarily a virtue you know yeah or like exciting yeah absolutely it, i remember from the talent show this year they did one online so i i had you know since graduated i was not able to partake in it but they you, you still should have said something <laughs> <laughs> i, I should have you're right they'd be like who this guy again just shave a little bit and just like i'm <laughs> um, in i'm in a senior hey here's my video but one kid played beat saber like he didn't even show his face he just like submitted a video of him doing beat saber on vr playstation vr and i'm like imagine him, fantastic. On, imagine him on stage and then it's being projected behind him oh and that he's would be so epic exactly that'd be fun oh man um if you had to go on a talent show right now oh boy what would you decide to do? I think that if I had to go into a talent show right now, I would like to choreograph a stage fight and make it look like I was beating some guy up. And we'd have like fake this, blood. yeah, fake blood, whole like maybe makeup prosthetics. Like I would make a whole show about. Have you ever seen the fight from They Live? No. Starring uh, Roddy Piper and Keith David, it is it is known, and I think Guinness Bo uh, Book of World Records has it as the greatest cinematic fight ever. No kidding, because they well, then I'm missing out. They have a knuckle brawl in a in an alley for like 15 minutes. Straight. Oh my it's, god, it's nonstop, and it's not like how action movies are now. It's slow and drawn out. Really? Uh, so there's like just, ups and downs in this yes, fight of like yes, I'm into it and done, I'm and they're in. just <laughs> they keep going, oh and it's it's un, it's obnoxiously long. That reminds me of the Family Guy chicken fights. Yeah, it, it's kind of <laughs> like those, except for those are a lot more epic. Oh yeah. Um, we we mentioned we're both into Broadway. We're both into plays. What is the uh, what is your absolutely fa your absolutely favorite Broadway play? 
Oh wow, that is that is a loaded question. I, I have know to it's say, loaded. I have to say, when I fell in love with Broadway, my favorite musical was Les Misérables. I was about to say I can make this easier by saying favorite classic and favorite ah, modern. Ah, okay. Well, then yeah, my favorite modern would have to be and. You know, a lot of people don't agree with me on this, but I really, really loved Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> yeah, it, see, it didn't win the Tony, and then it got into a really big fight with, um, with like, the, the executives of Broadway. Yeah. Um, but Josh Groban was in it, and um, it was, like, this huge production where they completely redid the theater to make it look like a Russian pub, and it was one chapter— out of the entirety of the book War and Peace. They just were like, we're going to do only one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The entire book, it's like one little chapter that no one pays attention to. This guy made a whole musical about it. Wow. Right, okay, yeah. So like already, <laughs> is it, I'm guessing it's not playing anymore. It is not playing anymore. It, it closed. Um, it lost the Tony for Best Musical to Dear Evan Hansen, and I think that came out in 2017, I want to say. Um and it ran for maybe a year or two, and it just wasn't making money, so they had to pull it. And it, is there any recordings of this play out there, like from Broadway? Unfortunately, not very good ones. See, There's like some bad tapings out on YouTube. I have never seen a professional taping, though. I have always felt bad that when Broadway shows close, um, for example, you have two shows, at least one of these two um, got somewhat of recording. It was, of course, SpongeBob. Thank God it Which did. I would say is my favorite modern Broadway play. Like yeah. modern meaning of the last 10, 15 years. And mm -hmm. that'll probably change on July 3rd when I watch Hamilton for the first time on Disney Plus. Not oh my gosh. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag. Um, but my uh, Beetlejuice, I was really. Oh, you I, liked Beetlejuice? I never, I didn't get to see it. Oh, were you going to see it and then. Well, I wanted to, you know, and then obviously they they announced they were being closed yeah, down. Yeah. And then, of course, I think their last show was going to be in May. And, of course, everything just in the couldn't happen shut down like February. And I felt so bad for him. And it, there's as far as I know, no like professional taping of that show. And Beetlejuice, among so many other Broadway plays that come and go. And I, I always feel like every show, there should be a company out there that offers like Hey, if it's your last week of shows, we can do a big professional recording of your show with different Oh, cuts. yeah. And and then you, you know, we give you the final product and then you can sell it online. Like I a, think like a movie on like iTunes or something. I'm, that sounds like such a good idea and that sounds like something that I know that I would personally pay for because there's right. so many shows that I've missed the you chance know, to see. Obviously shows like Lion King and Harry Potter that are going to be around for for years mm -hmm. like those don't need recordings. Go and Wicked see it. Book of Mormon, they're always going to be there. Right, right. But then those those smaller shows that like might be popular, like Tootsie or Back to the Future, and then just have that, uh, we're closing, and then you're never going to see this unless we decide to make a touring version, which some shows just don't get that honor. Great Comet never got a tour, a touring version. For like sure. they just, Great Comet, the one that I yeah. was just talking about, never got a touring version. They just kind of released the rights onto, I don't remember who owns it, but. But a musical theater company owns it now, but they never toured. That's a shame. It is a shame. That is something like just your description of it. Uh, not that I ever read War and Peace, but the idea, <laughs> of, taking, the idea of taking a single chapter and making a whole music. It's just I love, a mind-bending thing. I love, yeah. I love crazy ideas. Right, Those, and that is a crazy like, idea. Like when I heard, 
I look, I'm a fan of SpongeBob of unapologetically. No. But when I heard, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, when I heard they were making like an actual musical with aspirations of going to Broadway, I was like, yeah, there's some things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. And that's one of them. I was very skeptical. But that's why you should do it. Yes. Because you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. The production value of SpongeBob was so high. That's what made me notice it. Because I thought that it was going to be like some human in a styrofoam costume of a sponge. Yes, anybody and I, I was spoke disgusted. To, um, when I first, when they were first, uh, I think it was Chicago it started out in. And yeah. there was production photos of the idea that the whole set was going to be made up of objects that you would, that in their mind was like, this sunk to the ocean and it's a part of the set. Oh, like sea trash. Right. And I remember talking about it with Nate and he was like, uh, I he, he he was was even skeptical about the idea of the show. And it's the hard look. to envision it. And when I saw it on stage, there was especially one sequence which you've seen the show. Mm-hmm. And there's a sequence with uh, when Sandy and SpongeBob are climbing up Mount um, Mount Ginormous or yeah yeah and at the end. And it's literally three um, carts with I forgot the actual name of them dollies or something carts with cardboard boxes that they're intricately like it's spinning they have stage hands yeah physically spinning this you know very simple structure to build and making it seem like they're climbing up higher and higher during a song it was like a spider web of dollies yeah yeah and uh, I was like oh my god the second person the first person I thought about was Nate because I'm like he is always about minimal stage design mm-hmm. and this he would love. And I knew I he's got to see this show. And that's why I brought him. I was like when it was going touring and I got offered comp tickets being a SpongeBob fan. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. He was like, I, you got to go see this show. And I think up until after we left, he was pretty skeptical and like, oh, it's going to be kitty. Yeah. And I think I think after the fir- you get past the first number and then you start seeing just how wonderful it is. SpongeBob wowed a lot of audiences. I was really impressed personally with how. Like, they had different artists compose each song in the soundtrack. Right, so nothing sounded super similar. Everything had its own little flair. Yeah. Although, you, I always wonder how much, like, I think, I know Cindy Lauper added to a song. She did, did. She did Chop to the Top. Right. Did How long was she there for? It might oh, be one of those gosh. things where somebody I, comes yeah. in and, like, oh, it's mostly done. Do you want to tweak a few things? And you get <laughs> you full mix credit it? for it? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll just give you a full credit for the song. Maybe. I I know that uh, Brendan Urie actually wrote like not a simple sponge like that's a song that he wrote for himself to sing and then they got ethan slater to sing it like i didn't God think bless ethan slater genuine can i just say it was so weird to see spongebob ripped ethan slater <laughs> ethan slater is ripped he is buff Ethan's, ethan slater put on his muscle arms and his... <laughs> and i have never seen a buff spongebob before and wow i i love wow uh, those names ethan slater gavin lee as squidward mm-hmm. wesley taylor as plankton both shows that i i saw it on broadway on its last day wow it's second to last show i saw it at like the 12 o'clock and there was the six o'clock show. That's incredible. Um, and I got Gavin Lee's signature on my, uh, um, you know, because everybody floods the backstage door mm-hmm. and they come out. And I got a few autographs. I didn't get Ethan. Um, they didn't come out my performance. I was so disappointed. Really? Yeah. I think I got Wesley Taylor. I got pretty much everybody except for um, I forgot the girl's name who was playing Sandy. And then and then Ethan didn't come out. But Gavin came out. Um, Gavin was spectacular. Both shows standing ovation after I'm not a loser. Oh, he deserves it. It's so impressive to watch this man tap dance on eight legs. 
four. four oh, sorry, yes, four legs. But still, though, like in the suit. Oh man, he's just God it, bless him too. It's yeah, he had to like relearn how to walk in order to to play Squidward in those pants that they had him in. Yeah, eight shows a week. Um, and God bless. The one thing I loved is that uh, I remember an interview with Ethan Slater where he, when he got offered the role. He went to his, I think it was his acting teacher or, mm-hmm. or a mentor of some sort and was like, I'm stuck between this very well-known show and a big role or SpongeBob. And the guy has, the guy's response to him, and this is not verbatim, was like, hundreds of people have played that other character. Yeah. You'll be the first SpongeBob. Yeah, absolutely. There is nothing like being able to be the debut actor yeah. in that role and he will forever be known as the first Broadway I, Squidward. It's it's amazing. Absolutely. Um did you uh, you didn't answer what your favorite classical Broadway show was? My favorite classical Broadway show was Yeah, like something that most people would know. Mine is is the producers. The producers. I think my personal favorite for a classic would be How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. I felt See, I've, heard, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, I fell in love with that show because of Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Harry Potter. Yep. He was the the lead in that show on Broadway's revival. What year was that? Was that after Harry Potter, or just like in the middle splattering of the movies at some at some time? I believe it was in the middle of the movies at some point. I want to say it was 2011. Yeah, he seems like I, I always love it when actors decide to take a couple months or a couple years to just be on Broadway. Like, I'm going to do this one role for X amount of time, and then I'll go back and do some movies. But I always, I don't know, there's something about that where you kind of, okay, they like acting. Yeah, you get to see them in a different light, and you get to see them appreciate the craft in a whole new way. Absolutely. Um, so, because we can go on for hours. Oh, I'm sure. We, we will afterwards. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to take a break. We're going to watch Culture Shock, and then we're going to be right back. Can't wait. 2,000 years later. All right, welcome back. This sounds weird, and that's because the output is going through the M track, and oh. now it sounds right. No. Um, so we just finished watching Culture oh, Shock. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you think you watched that that episode? Oh, my goodness. It would, ha- it would probably have to be at some point when my sisters were still young enough to to really love spongebob as much as they did (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to say that they unfortunately moved on um you know what's great about the stuff you grow up with what's that it's a bell curve where you love it Mm -hmm. you you hit those tween years where like i remember when i hit middle school and it was like one day watching nickelodeon was respected by everybody and then you're in middle school and now you're the loser for You're getting made fun of. Still. I got made fun of for wearing a SpongeBob shirt. The very first one I could ever find from Hot Topic in the seventh grade. Your first SpongeBob My shirt. My very first SpongeBob shirt. Those same people had the audacity to ask me to draw them SpongeBob oh five years later. Gosh. Oh, look look how the turntables. <laughs> I, I only I only <laughs> specifically remember one person, but I just remember when they were like, hey, can you draw me SpongeBob? And I wanted to turn and be like, Five years ago, didn't you make fun of me for wearing a SpongeBob shirt? Um, no, but then when you're an adult or you start getting over the whole like school vibe, you mm-hmm. then relove the stuff you enjoyed as a kid. Absolutely. I you know, I hope that, that happens 
with my sisters, but right now they're right in now that they're... awkward spot where they can't be Ew. kids anymore. Yeah. Now, but SpongeBob is so popular; it, it's everybody loves it. I, I I don't think there would be someone who did like it that would be afraid to tell people like, well, "I don't like SpongeBob." You're right. It's it's gotten such a a fame and such a truly iconic love from its fan base. I especially rest in peace after Steven Hillenburg died. Yeah, I feel like as the, as with all artists, his show got so much more popular. One of the few people I actually uh, celebrities that I uh, openly like bawled my eyes out over it was it was uh, Robin Williams was one um, that really affected me because as a kid growing up in the '90s, you have the genie, Mrs. Doubtfire, Flubber. Um, if you got to watch Goodwill Hunting or Dead Poet Society, like. So much Robin Williams. Eric, you would not believe what I'm about to say. What? You don't like Robin Williams? Robin Williams died on my 14th birthday. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's What a so turn of events. Sad. I know. I was so happy and then just immediately crushed. crushed. Absolutely. I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, when I got the word that Steven Hillenburg died, I, I was at work. And at the time, I was a... Uh, I was a teacher helping out at a daycare mm -hmm. and it was during nap time Aww. when i was sitting there and i'm on my phone and i forgot where the first notification came from probably on facebook and i was like this is this is not real it's devastating. This is a hoax i went to tmz and there it was same thing i did rob williams it's the only time i i give tmz credit is like when it's on their site it's not fake is that I honestly I I feel like I don't trust TMZ a lot, but like you, if it's on their site, you think it's true? No, no not when it comes to all news. Uh huh. But when it comes to celebrity passings, they usually are some it, of the first I'll, people to know. Yeah, they're usually some of the first people to know, and when they put it on their site, it's probably a hundred percent verified. Yeah. They they that's that's, mm. that's why anytime one of those hoaxes go around on Facebook, like Robin Williams, my mother was at the top of the stairs. I was at the bottom of the stairs using this computer. And her telling, you know, Robin Williams passed. And I was like, my mother is very much a gullible person on Facebook. Like, yeah. So you immediately could, have to go fact check. Yeah. I was like, she says. check TMZ. And I went to the page and it wasn't there. I was like, see, nothing. Mm -hmm. Checked maybe two minutes later, nothing. Then five minutes later, she's like, a lot of more people are posting about oh. it. And I went to TMZ, and there it was. And I was like, uh, and all night I watched, I watched uh, two mo I watched Aladdin, Goodwill Hunting, and I watched an episode of Louie uh, that he was on. That was, he was on I, an episode of Louie. We're gonna watch it later. Oh, um, <laughs> man! But yeah, so and yeah, Steven Hillenburg passed. That was a um, that was a rough one for me because it just it. I don't have a lot of heroes, and I learned not to go into a story I just told someone like the other night as to why uh, I, I stopped around my teenage years like having heroes mm -hmm. like oh my god I cherish this person and then they disappoint you in some way and you're like crushed oh yeah that's hard to get over right so it's Steven Hillenburg I am okay saying that that he is a hero of mine uh, and there's no way there's ever going to be any bad news about him because from all cases of anyone who has ever worked with the guy or knew him personally Great man. So I don't have to worry about that one. I new have story heard that all that, around. Like, Steven Hillenburg kicked puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to hear about that. The esteemed marine biologist kicks puppies. Um, That's not true. Do not take that out of context, please. Yeah, don't just take that. And like, according to this SpongeBob podcast, Steven Hillenburg <laughs> kicked puppies. 
<laughs> not true. Again, uh, culture not shock true. season one. The first uh, part of the of episode ten premiered on September eighteenth, nineteen ninety nine. What were you doing at that time, Eric? I was not born yet. I oh. was born two thousand. How does it? How does? Is it weird knowing that things happened before you were born? I mean, that's. Um. Yeah. Of I was it is. laughing at this episode before you were even a thought. Oh gosh. I mean, you say that, and I feel so small and young. <laughs> Like a oh, ripe man. babe. Uh, <laughs> um, the uh, this episode was written by Paul Tibbet, Mark O'Hare, Doug Lawrence, Doug Lawrence, mind you. Who remember I showed you that episode of Rocco's Modern Life where they're on the boats? Yeah, that was a good episode. Yes, Doug Lawrence played Philbert Turtle. Oh Doug, no way! Yeah, Doug Lawrence is also known as Mister Lawrence, but he plays Plankton. Oh my gosh! He, and he was also a writer. For the he, show? he is an incredible if you go look at this man's catalog he is an asset to every show he has ever been a part of oh wow he was a writer on Rocco I believe but also was Philbert and played a, a few other characters that gives me a whole new respect for him as as a as an artist yeah and still still a, a very strong uh writer for the show and has been there since the beginning and obviously worked with Steven Hillenberg worked on Rocco and that's where he met Tom Kenny who played heifer the the cow on Rocco yeah and then brought those two talents over to Spongebob thank god I know right because that's that's your two leads right there mm-hmm. um yeah so without getting into the crazy stuff we don't have any crazy debuts I completely <laughs> look I'm a big fan I like to think of myself as an expert but sometimes when when he says he calls his parents I for a second I'm like is this their debut Oh wait, no they already <laughs> showed up in home sweet pineapple in the in the part at the end when they go to pick him up. But uh, if you're joining us, we're going to play it in the background. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I still thought they were cookies. I was one of those people. Yeah, because they look <laughs> – what's so funny is they look like actual sea sponges, but SpongeBob stands out as a kitchen sponge. Right, so you get this weird dissonance where they look it, so abnormal. The, yeah, and the square – somebody has plotted out SpongeBob's family tree because a few other characters have showed up, but I believe – like his grandfather shown was square and yellowish, and, and his cousin was like Stanley, really tall. Stanley yeah, Stanley square pants. Um, so there seems to be this mix of you're either a sea sponge or you're a kitchen sponge somewhere in his family. I don't know what's the more dominant gene. It might skip a generation each. <laughs> Intergenerational kitchen sponges. Yeah, <laughs> you're a sea sponge, and then you're a kitchen sponge. Um, there was one thing. There was one piece of trivia I saw. Ooh, that, I like uh, trivia. All right, this is the first episode to take place solely at the Krusty Krab. No way. Yeah. And we're going to put it on now. Um, if you want to join us, uh, join along with us, um, we're watch as always. I feel like I have to mention this every episode. It's just one of those things. I'm watching this on Amazon Prime, but if you have the first season DVD, um, usually I list the other DVDs. I'll even list VHSs. Or oh my! If you're watching on VHS, I have a lot of respect for you. You want to give even more respect? Okay. I've I've viewed some episodes that are available on Game Boy Advance Video. Oh my! And have gosh. mentioned what? If you watch along on Game Boy Advance Video, I I have a trophy. <laughs> we will give you a trophy. I, yeah. I want to give someone a trophy <laughs> who's like who can prove that they're listening to this podcast while watching one of the Game Boy Advance Video episodes. That would be incredible. Um. So yeah, we're gonna play this on the background, skipping. Uh, Get it rolling. Skipping the uh, intro there, which we we had this conversation. Um, great intro. Didn't, we didn't finish this conversation. I said it's the greatest intro, SpongeBob SquarePants of any show. You said maybe second to that, Friends. 
I said it definitely most recognizable. Like people will clap along. Right. To... I was saying singing. Everybody would sing the SpongeBob theme song. I think you're absolutely right. I think about any that. baseball game I've ever been to, when they start playing the SpongeBob theme song, everybody is singing it. It's such a crowd pleaser. Yes, it is. Uh, totally shocked by this. I don't know if you watching for so long when this was new, mm-hmm. it didn't. I didn't question Mr. Krabs and his free salad bar. But because they've made Mr. Krabs, as time has gone on, so stingy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it seems out of place you now. You never see something that says free inside yeah, the Krusty like, Krab. That word is not allowed in the Krusty Krab. Right. But then here he is uh, in 1999 trying out a free salad bar as a gimmick. And it doesn't work. It would work for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, because that's like the Ruby Tuesday mentality, I, right? <laughs> Cole, I was just about to bring up that the only reason I would go into a Ruby Tuesday is, is, is for bar? the salad bar. And it's not even free. You have to pay for it. It's like you three do. bucks. Yeah, no, no. With, yeah. It's $3 on its own, but I think it's free with an entree. Like I if believe you get an entree, true. you have access to it. Um, Too bad our Ruby Tuesday. Uh, our Ruby Tuesday closed. Left. Yeah. Man, I could have single-handedly saved that place if I just wanted more of their salad bar. <laughs> local man <laughs> saves Ruby Tuesday. Ruby Tuesday is on the hinge of closing, but one local man continues to give his entire paycheck. Fight the good fight. <laughs> uh, that guy also tipped SpongeBob with a penny, which... A penny out of, like, a whole dollar. Yeah. Or maybe more. It didn't say a number on the bill, It just but... seems weird to... Um... Imagine you giving somebody change and they give you a penny as a tip. It's, I mean, that's worth nothing. It's not even worth my time to take a penny. It's only acceptable if the person tipping you makes a joke out of it. I'd like, don't spend this all. Don't spend all this in one place. You sonny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> give a little chuckle. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's still a jerk move, but it's like, all right. That at guy, least you made a joke. Out yeah. Of you it, made man. a joke out of it and you knew what you were doing. Um, if I am ever in. Any sort of management position at a restaurant, I am absolutely going to pitch Mouthful of Clams Day. Mouthful of Clams Day. You, if anyone, it's a free at- drink. So if somebody is really going to walk in, even with like a clam in their mouth, then give, give that person a drink. I mean, they got to get the drink. taste of a clam out of their yes. mouth. <laughs> yes. You know, I would actually follow along with uh, a free pair of socks with every meal. Like, are you kidding me? I lose socks every single day. This is the stuff that if um, if if this show was to ever get big enough to uh, obviously uh, uh, there's live stuff planned down the road for, for this SpongeBob. Show. No, for this, oh, oh, this show, show, this podcast. But if I was ever at a level where I was ever going to play at a big theater, mm-hmm. I got to point out SpongeBob's boyish enthusiasm right there when he was like, "The show. What am I going to do in the show? Yeah. I love it." Um. So if I was ever going to be at, a, at an arena, some shows have, like, their own little gimmicks. Like, SpongeBob had his own little gimmicks of, uh, like, I think when you went to the Broadway show, they had some sort of drink or food that was, like, SpongeBob-esque. Like, they oh, changed the name. yeah. I would definitely, like, give people a free pair of socks with every purchase. Of that would be such a Mouthful of clams. Yeah. Like, yeah, just references everywhere. Uh, SpongeBob's bubble dance routine with the hippo there. Quite impressive. And I think Squidward... Although totally he, overlooked. Although he doesn't like SpongeBob, super unfair. Oh yeah, he's not giving him the credit that he deserves. SpongeBob really came out here and performed a whole song and dance routine with, with this bubble. hippo with a bubble. And, and he Squidward allowed just goes mm-hmm, and yeah. he allowed Gary to, to <laughs> recite poetry. <laughs> this is uh there was a lot of debuts on the list, but um, 
there's not names to a lot of these characters. So we have a lot of fish in the audience that this is the first time they're being seen. I'm not going to shout out their their like fish number. They're listed fish on this number. list. Uh, incidental number five. Incidental number two. That's like, what they're called. Uh, as if I click on incidental F9, they're brought up with this this woman, this striking oh, fish with the Marge Simpson hair. Yeah, see. There's a lot of those background characters. Some have been given names over the years that they use more frequently. Didn't they give the My Leg guy a name? Yes, yeah, Fred. 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 Well, Fred's in this episode. Fred is definitely in this episode somewhere. My Leg is probably one of the longest-running jokes of this of this series. Probably the only one that's lasted up until the new season. Although, and are they still pulling the My Leg jokes even in the new seasons? Well, <laughs> I don't watch. As much as, I, as a fan of, I am of this show, I have in the last couple years, uh, last like five or six years, I stopped really like new episodes I have to watch. Mm-hmm. I just disliked over time the um, reduction of these characters. They really to... changed the design of the characters too. The designs I'm fine with a little bit, um, but like each character had one trait that they've just melted into. Like Patrick, for example, who is cackling on the screen right now. In, doesn't even get the jokes. In, in the funny, <laughs> in probably the funniest part of this whole episode. <laughs> Nepotism is alive and well. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the first season, he's, he's not, he's dumb. Oh, episode paused. But he's That's lovably funny. dumb. He's lovably dumb, but he's more naive than he is just dumb. Right, he just doesn't know. But as the series goes on, he just becomes more inseparably dumb. SpongeBob, if you watch the first season, there's slower moments. He seems a bit more optimistic, but also just grounded. Mm-hmm. And as the show goes on, becomes more and more like pulled in different directions of optimism and kiddish and childish. And so yeah, I, they really I, had to find a way to strike the balance with right. all those character traits. And and now you feel like they gave up on some of them I've, as the series progressed, you know? Yeah, so I stopped. But in this last season, they did. They brought back a lot of... They had a, an episode about Frank and Doodle coming back, Doodle Bob. They had an episode where the lady... <laughs> the old lady in the chocolate episode had an episode. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, chocolate with nuts. She, oh so she was brought gosh, back. And then they one. gave Fred his own episode, and it's called My Leg. They actually That's a cool bit of fan service. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So they they've been doing that. And I believe it it, it was the last season that's that Steven Hillenberg had his hand on cuz he stopped um after he, the first He didn't movie. like what the people turned his show no, into, right? Um look, there is a I don't think the man has ever come out and said uh anything negative. Yeah. I think he wanted the show. I mean, the plan was that the show was going to end after the first movie. Mm-hmm. And he was going to bow out and said, like, even if they continue it, uh, it needs new eyes. It needs fresh perspective and fresh people working on it. I think that's really noble of him, actually. Yeah. And um, the show went off in different directions. But then I think he was always a consultant. I think he was always kind of there on the hinges, but not really helping. And then for the second movie, he was brought back. He was like, do you want to come and help out in the second movie? Like, Paramount's throwing a lot of money. For Sponge Out of Water? Sponge Out of Water. So he came back. And if you watch that movie, it is definitely a a return to form in some ways. Yeah. And then he was, I guess, had in such a good time working on that, came back for the 10th season. And it was during that season that it was announced publicly that he was suffering. He was dealing with uh, a, was it a ALS? 
I think it was, yeah. It, yeah. I'm really happy that he, he came back and, and saw his creation one last time. Yeah, and got and to have his, his hands eyes, yeah. on it and, and, and be, you know, even just got, just being a, uh, imagine being like a young writer on that show and getting to in the room him. with you. Yeah. And you're pitching SpongeBob. Like, oh, man. Pitching, you are pitching SpongeBob to. Yeah, you're pitching the SpongeBob episodes and seeing it. Man, the episodes. I, I would, I want to do a whodunit. When, a SpongeBob who done it. A SpongeBob who done it. Oh my gosh, that was that's such a good idea. Yeah, it would definitely. I would it, it, like think of that Family Guy episode, but just for kids with James Woods. Yes, oh, that's gotta be an episode. You mentioned that's his, gotta be a thing. His Squidward's impeccable. Oh yeah, he has such a high LED. production value with the lights. And but then that bird. And then there's just one the bird worst. on a string. <laughs> Do these fish even know the Grand Canyon or? birds yeah where did squidward get this backdrop i don't know and i don't know why squidward is cultured enough that he probably knows about things up on the surface but i don't think regular fish and bikini bottom are going to be like that's a bird right and that's and that's why he's a bad artist because no one understands the references he's making yes he's misunderstood oh poor squidward and he put on a a leotard too yeah you did a (laughs) nice blue leotard and here comes SpongeBob's big moment on stage. I will be honest. Um, I thought about this for my talent show. I'm not. I'm not to being, make a mess on the stage and look, mop it up. I am not being David Spade about this. Oh. I am. <laughs> I, I. There was a moment where, when it first came, the idea of like being on a talent <laughs> show. What if I partnered up with someone to have a bad set to get booze, but. It ruins it because then I'd have to get the audience involved. Like, they would. The audience man, would have like, to be yeah. in on it for it to work. I'm not sure that it. That's a great idea, but I'm not sure that the audience would be all in on it. You know. But like, you know what? What the video would talent show that would because you can add in the effects. You're right. It would work at a it video. It would totally show. work. Looks like. And this is a classic meme moment we have here with the one the like switching, thing. Yeah. yeah, one like thing and one dislike thing. <laughs> Um, and I'm surprised the amount of money that, uh, Mr. Krabs, apparently he wasn't happy up until he started charging a dollar for a salad bar. Did you not charge these people to come in? Like a nominal yeah, fee, no like five tickets bucks. at the door or something like yeah, that. Five bucks. Or I mean, people were eating food too, so they had to have ordered something. There are some establishments out there that is free to go in, but you have to at least buy a drink. That sounds like a Mr. Krabs thing to do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I need to talk to Mr. Krabs. He could be making a, so <laughs> much more money. I need to know his business model now. And and that is Culture Shock. Um, what a great episode. I really, really like is. that one. It really is. I've watched it three times in the last week. Even so, though it, oh my gosh, wow. Even uh, though it didn't come out when I was alive yet, like that was still one of the first episodes I saw on reruns on Nickelodeon. Yeah. And I really What year were you born? I was born 2000. So. 2000, yeah. So you were, what, four years old when the first movie came out? I was. You're right. Wow. Yeah. What was your first movie in theaters? My first movie in theaters was The Nightmare Before Christmas. A re-release of that? What Was it a re-release? When did that movie come out? I 90, remember 94. I remember so vividly seeing that movie on the big screen and and being terrified of how big Jack Skellington was. Yeah. And and I remember my dad had to take me out of the theater because I, I kind of got a little What's so <laughs> crazy about that movie is that even though what, – what company did it? Disney. Right. But when they released it originally, they released it, I believe, through Touchstone Pictures because Disney has – like they own Miramax and they own, I think, Touchstone and they yeah. own a few other 
smaller studios that movies that they don't want to put the Walt Disney brand on. As like an experiment, like, oh, we don't want this to come back and bite us. Right. And just seeing how not only how popular it is, the fact that every year they redecorate their haunted mansion attraction to be Nightmare Before Christmas. It has such a cult following now. Yeah, so it's just funny looking back and going like, you guys are slightly worried about this movie. And now you're like, yes, give us all the money. We knew all along. The Hot Topic crowd (laughs) is very powerful, and Vader Zim knows that all too well. (laughs) That's why when Nickelodeon, when they were first kind of kicking the hacky sack around to bring back Invader Zim and like, I'm going to say 2009 or 2010, Mm -hmm. um, they put out a, a test DVD to see how well that would sell, and it exploded. And then I guess uh, Joan and Vasquez, I remember when they were like, he, he came kind of came out and was like, yeah, they're thinking about it. They put out that DVD um, and it sold well, but then they just came back and said it's too expensive of a show. Oh, and I, you can't do that. You excited so many people. I wanted to be in that boardroom to go, can you pull up the numbers on the amount of money you've made off of Zim merchandise and Hot Topic and use that as your budget? Because... You guys for like eleven years you have made been bank. selling, yeah, Gur t-shirts, Zim stuff. Yeah. So what do they mean? It's too expensive. I don't know. They eventually brought it back. Yeah, of course, of course. They, and thank they God had they did to, that. Uh, especially with Hey Arnold and, and Rocco, um, which I hope they do more of. But they seemingly slowed down on that idea, and there has definitely not been anything more announced. Although most of the shows, um, luckily, a lot of them are in order from my pop collection that you get to see, and the fans don't. Um, it is brilliant. <laughs> thank you. A lot of them have already had big projects or m- TV movies, and those uh, those shows, Hey Arnold, Rocco. Hey Arnold needed to be done because they ended the series on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Rocco and Zim are probably the most popular properties to not have like a TV movie or like big special, and that's big extravagant. Things I mean, Zim had a alone. story yeah. that needed to be completed. Rocco didn't, but come on. That, who doesn't love Rocco's modern life? Um, I'm glad that they brought it back, though, because it gives a whole new generation of kids to, yeah, to be captivated yeah, by these cartoons. Especially they, so, they were like, give it to Netflix. <laughs> Put it on Netflix. Um, Everyone has Netflix. I, I, I absolutely love this episode, and it was so fitting to have you on because of uh, our love for theater and acting and just... Absolutely. It's a perfect episode. Being on stage and showing off to people, <laughs> you know, being like you. I, that's kind of the idea of uh, like stand up comedians like of like, just come watch how funny I am. Yeah. Just and some don't even need to try. Dave Chappelle doesn't need to come up and with jokes. He could just go up there and talk and people will throw money at him. That's self included. Accurate. You're right. I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's hilarious, but yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, so anything that you would like to plug before I let you go? I'd just like to say that I am on a podcast called Take 47 with my friend Brendan Turner coming out on YouTube on the TGB channel. Ooh. Yep. So how do they find that? Just uh, type in TGB capitals or Yeah, TGB out? Productions. Boom. TGB in capital, yep. So look that up on YouTube. Uh, and, and I always try to tell people, if, you, if you're listening to this and you actually do go and look up Cole's podcast comment somewhere and say I found you because of the sponge pod square cast absolutely and, and I that always makes my day it's happened twice already where somebody I had on um messaged me and was like hey somebody 
somebody commented on one of my things. For, That's got to feel the good. It was. It was like, all right, even if it's one person, it's like, great. Like, yeah. You, you just love. know that you touched someone's day. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. You're going to be on again. Um, and it won't be months of you living here before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to spread stuff out. All right. Uh, I when people I, I have no official end to shows. OK. Um, but I want you to give me your best uh, like pirate arc. All right. I, I'm going to direct you. Ready? OK. Yeah. Um, you're sailing the seven seas. Sailing the seven seas. Yeah, you're on the and you just c- come across land. Just come across land. And this is an exciting arc. Action. Yar! Land hole! How's that? You're going to get the Tony. Yes! <laughs> I was worried you had me for a second. All right, everyone. Enjoy. Bye.